Wasn't that a good time? <laughs> Goodness me. And uh, some of you won't know, because some of you might be visitors to the family, but the, uh, the little sheep right here that did this the whole time. <laughs> That's my sheep. He learned that from me. I wonder what it would be like to go back and watch the videos back from We Were Little. I wonder if I was that chief. I don't know. Did we videotape those concerts back then? I don't know if we did, eh? When they come back up, when their costumes are off, like, oh man, we should applaud them again. That was so much fun. I want to welcome all of you here this morning. I'm Pastor Darren, and if you are a visitor here, uh, this is what the pastor of the church looks like, and I am here to tell you about Advent. All month, we've been celebrating the arrival of the king. And today, as we celebrate and watch the kids perform their concert, we're celebrating joy. The third candle has been lit. And as we talk about joy, we're going to talk about coming home. You know what coming home feels like? That feeling. When you've been gone a long time, those of you who live out of town on the farm, Maybe that feeling is when you come off the pavement onto the grid road and you know you're just about home. Or when you turn off the road onto the lane to the farm. For us, growing up, I think it was when you could see the yard lights. We had three yard lights across our yard over the corrals. When you could see the three orange yard lights, you knew you were within five miles of home. Now that we live in town, it's a little bit different. Now, sometimes it's coming over TV Hill and seeing the glow of the city. Or if we come from the farm, when you come on the number one highway, maybe when you go over the train tracks on the overpass, the feeling of coming home. Joy is the celebration of coming home. It's the fact that God came after us as the shepherd and rescued the sheep, even all these little sheep, and brought the sheep home. But sheep without a shepherd are hopeless people. People without peace, without hope, and without joy. And without Jesus, so many, so many people are stuck without joy. And that's not to say that they're bad or evil or miserable people. Many people outside of our faith, outside of this family, outside of this building, are happy and content. And from the outside, it would look that everything would be fine. And yet, friends, just like Pastor David said, true and lasting joy is different than a feeling of happiness. True and lasting joy comes only from Jesus. As we lit the three candles, they are a helpful reminder that we cannot accomplish these things on our own. You can't. Because if we could, do you know who we wouldn't need? We wouldn't need Jesus. If you could provide your own hope, the reconnection between you and God, if you could provide your own peace, victory over sin and death and darkness, if you could provide your own lasting joy, you would be God. And I think you're fantastic, but you're not God. You can't do it. All throughout scripture, you see glimpses of the people of Israel being sheep without a shepherd, longing for that joy that has escaped them since the Garden of Eden. Since the moment they disobeyed and broke God's covenant and were removed from his presence. 
They were disobedient towards him and were removed because of their sin from his holy presence. And since then, God has been the shepherd going after them to bring them home. Whether you go to 1 Kings chapter 22 and you read verse 17, or whether you go to Zechariah chapter 10 and read verse 2, different passages in the Old Testament that say the people of Israel were like sheep without a shepherd. That's right, they needed a shepherd. What about this passage? You might know this one. This one is from Matthew. Matthew chapter 9. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Why did he have compassion on them? Because they were harassed and helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Harassed and helpless people. People without protection, people without provision. Harassed and helpless people. That is what Jesus saw when he looked at his people, at his children, at the people that he had made. Harassed and helpless. Without joy, without hope, without peace. So it shouldn't surprise us that when Jesus comes the people might be looking for and longing for a shepherd. In the Old Testament, in the days of Ezekiel, the people had been taken away from their land. Not a figurative scattering, a literal scattering of the nation. You see, something this drastic hadn't happened since the days of Egypt. Because the people had been established in a place where God would dwell with them and he would be their God and they would live with him. He would actually be in the center of them, in the tabernacle. And hundreds of years passed. And the people were obedient and then disobedient. Obedient and then disobedient. To the point where God had to provide accountability for them. Punishment to wake them up. And he has a foreign nation come in and sweep through their land and drag them out by force. Isaiah is the one who told us that was going to come. That's why we've been reading so much Isaiah. He got them ready for that moment. Jeremiah lived through it and Ezekiel lives in it. Ezekiel has been dragged out of the promised land. And God speaks through him to the people. Now living in the Babylon region with good old King Nebuchadnezzar, the word of the Lord to Ezekiel. I'm going to read a selection of verses from chapter 34. Some of it will be on the screen. Some of it I'm just going to read to you. This is the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man. Prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? 
Verse 3, you eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you don't feed the sheep. The weak you've not strengthened, the sick you haven't healed, the injured you've not bound up, the strayed you've not brought back, the lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you've ruled them. Verse 5, so they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep, God says, were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains on every high hill. My sheep were scattered. Three times he says that. Over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. See this language of being away from home? scattered away from where they belong, the place where there is comfort and delight, peace, happiness, joy, away from it. And I asked you, maybe you remember that feeling of coming home, that feeling when you're just about there. Last night, we were out at the farm. We drove back to Swift Current last night. We experienced that. Of course, we had to stop at Morris and have a pee break because every single one of the boys couldn't make it home, but eventually we got home. And as you see the lights of the city, and you drive past the new terminal, you drive past G3, and there it is. There's the glow of home. You know that feeling? We're almost there. Because your home is where your bed is. Your home is that comfortable place. You don't have to pretend to be anything when you're at home. You can just relax. You can wear the clothes you want to wear. Sit where you want to sit. Not entertain a person if you don't want God's people are ripped out of their home. They are scattered. Verse 11, for thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep. I will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places that they've been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. This is verse 13. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and I will bring them into their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I, pay attention to this, I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down Peace. In good grazing land and on rich pastures, they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. Remember, Jesus said the people were harassed and helpless? Listen to this description them laying down. The grazing pasture is theirs. Verse 15 of chapter 34 of Ezekiel I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. The fat and the strong I'll destroy. I'll feed them in justice. God is going to bring them home. But remember the context of this. It means so little if you miss it. They're not at home. They've been dragged away to a foreign land. 
Remember, after a thousand years of hearing the stories of Egypt, they've been dragged away under a foreign king, stripped of their promised heritage. It's like they've gone all the way back in time to the most brutal period of their history. And Ezekiel tells everyone, hold up, I got words from him. And everyone's like, perfect Ezekiel, what do you have to say? God has a message for us. Perfect Ezekiel, what is it? It's going to be fine. We're going home. And we're all going to eat in the pastures of Israel again. It'll be good. But it's not good. What do you mean it's going to be fine? We've been dragged away from our home. We'll never see it again, Ezekiel. What do you mean? God is going to do this for us? You keep reading through this chapter and you get to verse 22 of 34. God says, I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey. I will judge between sheep and sheep. And I will set up over them one shepherd. My servant. What's his name? My servant. His name? His name's David. Do you see it? What's the problem with this? That guy's no longer there. This is after David and Goliath. This is after he's the king. This is after his boy Solomon. This is after all of them. David's been gone for hundreds of years. So why would God say that one day David will be their shepherd? He shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant, David, shall be prince among them. I am the Lord and I have spoken. So when these people come home from this exile, you can imagine what they're expecting. They've been promised that one day a shepherd will come, a David will come. And he's going to be the one who protects them from being harassed and helpless. He will be the one who will bind them and gather them and watch over them and feed them. The question is, when will David come? Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census be taken of the entire Roman world. That was the first one that happened when Crinius was governor of Syria, obviously. Joseph took Mary, who he was engaged to. Mary's pregnant. The angel says that the baby belongs to God. And Joseph goes home. Joseph goes home. And when he goes home, where is he going? He's going to the city of... That's right. Who grew up in Bethlehem? That's David's city. That's the city of David. Joseph takes Mary back to David's city, King David's city. And we're waiting for a shepherd to come who will be like King David. And as they go back there, the baby is born. And the angel appears. And friends, I'm going to try to keep myself composed because when I practiced this part of the sermon, I got kind of animated. 
when the angel reappears, when the angel comes down, when the glory of God is put on full display, to announce the arrival of the shepherd they had been waiting for for hundreds of years, you take a guess where the angel went. Where did the angels appear to declare this birth of the king? We've been waiting, you could argue, since the days of Adam and Eve for the birth of this king. So God would send his holy messengers down to earth and you'd expect maybe they'd go across the 12 tribes of Israel. Dun, 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 dun. Or you'd expect them to go to the king in Jerusalem, go to the capital and declare that a new king has been born to Herod. But that's not where the messengers of God go, is it? The arrival of the king that they've been waiting thousands of years for, the arrival of the shepherd of God's people, and God sends the angels down into the fields outside of David's city. And the angels appear to the shepherds. They're just out quietly doing their jobs, just watching the sheep, taking good care of them. It's what they do, they're shepherds. God appears to them, to them, and says he's here. Remember the one they talked about back in Ezekiel? He's here. The shepherd is here. The shepherds get up and run into town and they find the baby is here. The next King David has arrived in David's city. The star lighting the way home lands over top of the city where the king will come from and the king is born there. Whether you turn in your Bibles next to, say, for example, John 10, where Jesus says that he is the good shepherd, the one who will actually lay his life down for the sheep. Or you go to John 15, when Jesus is getting ready to leave his disciples and die on the cross and he says to them, I'm telling you this and I'm going to die on the cross so that my joy might be in you and your joy might be complete. Joy. This is how you know what love is. That someone would lay down their life for their friends. As Jesus declares that joy is coming, he's prepping them that a good shepherd will lay his life down. For Ezekiel's verses to be fulfilled, the shepherd doesn't just have to arrive, he has to lay his life down. Friends, there's no point in lighting these candles if you and I are responsible for those tasks. And if there was a way that joy and hope and peace could be found without the death of Jesus, don't you think God would have went that way? But there wasn't. We didn't just need a shepherd on the earth to look after us. We wanted one who could give us joy eternal. Comfort, delight that would last forever. The sheep needed to come home. They needed to be gathered. Revelation 21 because you can't preach a good Christmas sermon without somehow sneaking into Revelation. He who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down. These words are trustworthy and they're true. 
He said to me, it is done. This is verse 6 of chapter 21. I am the alpha. I am the omega, the beginning and the end. The beginning of their alphabet, the end of their alphabet. I am it. From start to finish, Jesus is the Garden of Eden. Jesus is the throne room of Revelation. Jesus is creator. Let there be light. Jesus is sustainer. The people will come home to live with me in heaven. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. Doesn't that sound like the work of the shepherd? To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. I will be his God. He will be my son. It's almost quoting Ezekiel. I will be their God. They will be my people. Friends, we are celebrating not just that the shepherd came, not just that he died, but he gathered us in the process. We are a reunited people with God. That's why we have hope and peace and joy in this world. You might, you might think that if God were to give us joy we would be the center of this table. You might think that for God to give us joy, we would start to get all the things that we desire. And you might say, Darren, this sounds too good to be true. Because look at my life. Look at my circumstances. My work isn't going well. My family's not going well. Maybe my marriage or my kids or my friend group. Maybe my mental health or my physical health. You can start to list these things off. And say, I have so little reason to be joyful. And yet, Darren, we light the candle and sing the songs, hooray, hooray. But life, life is brutal sometimes. Brutal. So where is this fairy tale joy that you keep raving about? Friends, friends, you're looking for joy in the wrong spot. Because if you're looking to find it in all those things that I just listed if you're looking to find your lasting joy in your circumstances in this broken world, you have put yourself at the center of the Advent table. You're saying, God, why won't you look after me? Why aren't I your focus? But you are not God. He is. Joy does not come from you being the center of God's world. Joy comes from God being the center of your world. So friends, as we leave this place, even if you in your day-to-day life are not experiencing the hope that you desired or the peace that you desired or the joy that you've been longing for, know that it's found in Jesus. And I urge you, as you go out and as I go back into this world again for another week before Christmas, would you put this on display for other people to see? Not with a fake, phony smile pretending everything's okay. But that when you visit with people and they ask how you're doing, you can tell them, I have joy. They go, your life's been awful rough. What do you mean? My joy is not found in the circumstances. Life has been awful rough lately. My joy is that my shepherd has taken me and gathered me and brought me 
home. That feeling of finally arriving home after being gone for a long time, that's how I feel with Jesus. That peace, that's how I feel with Jesus. That delight, that's how I feel with Jesus. Everything's going to be okay. I have a shepherd who will look after me. I'm no longer harassed. I'm no longer helpless. And in that, I find joy. Friends, I hope that is how you are feeling and reflecting and celebrating this Christmas. There's a reason why the star on that night appeared over the birth of a shepherd in the shepherd's city. Because we've been waiting a long time for a shepherd. And it feels good to come home, doesn't it? Let's pray together. And we're going to close our worship service. Heavenly Father, all day long, we could pray and thank you for who you are. We don't bring anything to this equation. We don't bring anything to the table. You are the powerful one. You are the holy one. You are the creator, Lord. You are the provider. You are all these things to us. You're our dad. You're our protector. You're the one who offers the sacrifice for us. So we say thank you. And we thank you from youngest to oldest in this room. We have joy in you. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would equip us by the power of your spirit to put this joy on full display for the world to see this year. Help us to radiate you. Help us to reflect you in a real and honoring and true way. God, would you do that through us by the power of your spirit? And I pray that you would bless the church family, your bride, your sheep. Shepherd, I pray that you would look after them that you would minister to their hearts and minds, that you would provide for them, that you would meet them in their brokenness and be the one who binds them. And I trust, Jesus, that you are powerful enough to do that if you choose, so I pray that you would. God, we love you. We love you, and it's an honor to be part of this family, to worship you and glorify you and be with you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for the kids who put your story on display for us to see. And thank you, Father, for joy eternal. Thank you that you came down here to rescue us, to bring us home. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you be with us as we leave this place. I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. And... How about one more round of applause for those adults and those kids who put on that Christmas concert? <laughs>